listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Spring Breakers. Yep, my name is Tom Chick, and I'm here this week to discuss Spring Breakers with Christian Malarkey. Actually, my real name is Morosky, but truth be told, I ain't from this planet. <laughs> Dingus is about as convincing as a white rapper as James Franco. Uh, And with a tagline, actually that could have been the tagline, Kelly Wand, with a tagline for Spring Breakers, Kelly Wand. When masturbating to gummo is too creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I'm not recommending it. (laughs) That was the other uh, option for Suntory time from Boss Translation. Oh, did you Google Santorum? Is that what you're trying to say? No. Oh. All right, back to what you're saying. Well, as for the, uh, this this week's movie, uh, look, maybe you haven't seen it and you don't want us to spoil it yet, so we won't. Uh, so, Dingus, why don't you tell folks about Spring Breakers? Wait, do you got to explain why we didn't see... Oh, right, some folks are here expecting a Place Beyond the Pines podcast. Although they did click past that. By this so yeah so we have not seen that because it's apparently not playing in the small burg where kelly wand lives despite prevalent the pines up here it's true yeah uh, but not movies about being beyond them so uh we will not be discussing that that might be the topic of a later podcast kelly wand you said it opens there april 15th 14th uh yeah the 12th i think all right well later in the month instead of seeing uh after next week, I remember looking at what's opening and thinking it was rather dreadful. So maybe we'll, we'll really? visit that then. What is opening? Worse than this weekend? I'm looking forward to this weekend. What are you talking about? No, the one we just finished. Easter weekend. Yeah, well, you know, uh, well, uh, we could have gone to G.I. Joe. Oh, we my God. We could to see the host. Uh, no regrets. No yeah. regrets. Even uh, if this was the worst movie ever, no regrets. Actually, you know what? No, we do have a bunch of it, it's. We're, we're easing into summer stuff that I'm excited to see. Like it's it's we're that Tom Cruise post-apocalyptic thing. It uh, then it's the <laughs> then it's the Michael Bay thing with uh, Mark Wahlberg and The Rock. Uh, we've Wait, got that's uh, what we, you're looking forward to. Yeah, come on, Michael Bay. Oh, yeah, I forgot Armageddon flags. <laughs> uh, Jeff Nichols has a new movie starting two weeks from now. Did you know about that, Dingus? I, I was not aware of that. How did that happen? Uh, well, after Take Shelter, he apparently decided his career was not yet over, so he was going to keep doing movies. We have that opening uh, <laughs> later this this month. So, yeah, no, I, you know, but I'm I'm eager to see a Place Beyond the Pines. I know probably the rest of us are, so maybe we'll squeeze that in. But this week we did not see Place Beyond the Pines. Dingus, what did we see instead? Don't spoil it. Just tell folks some bare minimums about it. All right, this week we saw Spring Breakers. Hmm. A 2013, unless you live in a foreign land in which it was a 2012 movie, according to IMDb, uh, 2013 comedy crime drama thriller movie. Thriller? Yeah, that's right. I said thriller. About four young ladies looking to get away from it all in sunny Florida. It was written and directed by Harmony Corrine and stars James Epping Franco. Uh, Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens, Ashley Benson, and Rachel Corrine. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that's a coincidence. Spring Breakers is rated R, 
for strong sexual content, language, nudity, drug use, and violence throughout. Interestingly enough, this is a, one of those rare movies where the MPA discla- MPAA disclaimers, those are also the shooting script. Uh, so let's see uh, Spring Breakers opened not this weekend but the previous weekend uh, the weekend of March 22nd on its opening weekend it it hit number 6 and it made 4 million dollars but none (laughs) of that really matters well this is obviously a very low budget uh, I hesitate to call it art house but I guess that's what it is Um, and I think it'll make its money you know it's going to do fine Uh, but you know it's not going to be the top of any opening weekend charts or anything it's not that kind of movie no. Let's see what kind of movie it is by oh. consulting Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. They know. Uh, they know. On Metacritic, which is the average rating of reviews, uh, Spring Breakers is at 63. Oh. On Rotten Tomatoes, which gauges the percentage of reviews that are positive, Spring Breakers, 68% of all reviews wow. positive. That's right. A lot. That's interesting. Now, we're going to spoil it for you. So if you have not seen Spring Breakers and you want to avoid spoilers, you should probably skedaddle until we do our (laughs) 3x3 later in the podcast. Kelly Wand, if you were to break down the narrative points of Spring Breakers in a a sort of a a prose recital performance piece, what would you call such a thing? Uh, Spring Bropsis. Spring Bropsis. (laughs) Wait, real quick. Did you guys have any more conversations about the earth you almost got too bored to even say the whole thing <laughs> i know well i was in keeping with the tone of the movie mtv generation i just want to admit that i don't know the difference between weight and mass what about come on dingus dingus that's not true <laughs> still, i totally don't know clearly. is that really what was going on with our previous argument yeah sure argument <laughs> Okay, well, misused word. Well, on that note, join us. We will be starting our science podcast uh, next week. Me, Kelly, and Dingus. Uh, it'll be the quarter to three science podcast, and we will address issues like what's the difference between weight and mass. So, uh, join us for that. Wait, I get to be invited to that? Yeah, you're doing the science synopsis every week. You're moderating it, actually. I'm synopsizing science every week. Every you're week. synopsizing the earth. Not discoveries that week, but just everything. <laughs> right. Theory of everything. Does a Kelly one synopsis have a circumference? That will be one of our main <laughs> questions. Oh, I wrote a joke uh, after this week's podcast. <laughs> Since you sound interested. Kelly one, let's hear the joke that you wrote. Does it need any sort of a segue, or do you just can you just go straight to it? Is there a rabbi? Ah! Stop ruining it. I better. This is why I wanted to just say it and uh, take questions. Uh, what did the rabbi give Magellan? <laughs> a circumcision? A circumcision. Oh. And did you just now write that, or have you been working on that for a while, Kelly? It took me all week. <laughs> I was refining it. The way science is refined. Well, all I can say, Kelly Wan, is I hope it did not eat. It did not eat into any of the time you spent on the spring bropsis, because I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, uh, one last thing. Yes, Kelly Wan. Say, because uh, last week we saw Olympus has fallen, and um, it apparently was prophetic, because now we're at nuclear war with North Korea, I read. 
So Plan Rodman failed. <laughs> Plan Rodman. <laughs> I think uh, they're at war with us, and they will be for some time. And yeah. We won't notice. <laughs> it's yeah. They're always yeah. That you're right. They were at war with us the last few years. They they never ended. No one told them. Fascinating one. All right. Well, well, actually, that the, the week after next, we will be starting our quarter to three geopolitics podcast uh, with the three of us doing that. Are you saying that Earth's circumference isn't movieistic enough for us to dandy about? You can only do so many uh, podcasts about the core, Kelly Wand. Put a great big fat person basket. Ugh. And that's I and that, that way. Kelly Wan, you won this week's award for random Silence of the Lambs reference. Very good. Work on the silence from now on, Wan. <laughs> Kelly Wan, I am desirous of a spring bropsis. Can you oblige me? Oh, yeah, sorry. Forgot. Spring bropsis. Bra- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, spring bropsis. Seriously. Dear Grandma, it's me, the brunette one. (laughs) School's really awesome this semester, from what I hear. Lots of breaks and desks. Got your postcard, T.Y., and in answer to your first question, yes, after a couple days, me and my blonde friends did realize the campus was deserted and that spring break could, like, start and stuff. Started and stuff. I mean, I'm really good at this reading stuff. Mary-Kate subprime one was all, man, fuck looking at these houses. And Paris was all, that's hot. At this point, we decided it was high time, wink, to count the money we'd saved up over the last few minutes for this event. But no matter how many times we patted on the Folgers can, it still added up to only 13 cents. What's the most obvious way for four nubile young girls with a raging appetite for dick to raise a bear in a hurry? Hold up a KFC with squirt guns. Duh. It's the girl, duh, the cute. Why not? Duh. Our holdup totally ruled, bitch. We raised over $400 just by wearing masks and screaming and breaking shit. Although, admittedly, not nearly as much as afterwards when we took the masks off out on the street and guys stood in line around the block just to hand us bags of money for standing there in our bikinis and breathing. I remember that's how you met Grandpa, except instead of KFC, it was an Arby's, huh? Dingus. <laughs> you have something you'd like to share. Anyways, we took the rest of your advice and rode the bus to Fort Lauderdale and splashed around in slow motion, shaking our asses. While townies did lines of coke off our uvulas, and we watched them have sex with bags of ecstasy. And everyone chanted chug, and we beer bunked pop rocks. And a singer who had bejeweled teeth but wasn't James Franco screamed, Spring break forever! into a microphone, then explained it was a metaphor for the wages of sin. Then we all took our tops off and went woohoo and shook our ass some more to slightly different synthesizer music. Then we realized it was night, and we were by ourselves in a swimming pool. So we talked about buying a house there, even though our main reason for coming, wink, was to get away from houses. Then we snorted more weed, beer-bonged each other's vomit from the night before, smoked more Nutella, screamed passages from less than zero in a parking lot, talked about how awesome nothing is, and cock-teased some frat boys before realizing, A, we were already having sex with them, and two... 
they were cops and we were in a police station and getting arrested for having sex indoors. I kept saying, it wasn't supposed to end like this over and over until it finally woke up James Franco, who was in the courtroom that day, because one of his many fetishes is litigation. (laughs) Anyway, he bailed us out, which was cool of him. White dudes playing Miami drug lords get a bad rap. He's a bit of what your generation might have called a character with his adamantium teeth, balls of steel, heart of gold, silver tongue, and green thumb. But it all tastes like cocaine at that hour anyway, and at least his piano's big. Oh, also, he has this dollar sign tattooed on his neck, but we think it, too, is just a metaphor, because when we tried to jam him into an ATM, it declined him twice. The moniker he goes by doesn't really sync up with his bling. Me and Incense suspect that his first name's actually Alan, and he's just not much of a bird. (laughs) Frankly, if history were up to me, I'd have sent this dude to Oz and had me and my BGFF shack up with his turn-of-the-century balloonist. But what do I know? My major's in remorse. He also gloated about having Scarface playing constantly in a loop, presumably on a DVD player or Blu-ray that he never showed us, although we never saw him watch anything. And his enthusiasm for its narrative suggests he's not quite up to speed on the ending. (laughs) Oh yeah, to try and entice me into staying, he also used a line about how he'd be thinking of me when he was having a threesome with my friends. So I agree with you, Grandma. Pretty sure he's a virgin. Anyway... Although holding up a wedding of losers was awesome. Who the fuck gets married here on spring break, bulls? Seems better than when I wrote it. The fact that Alien had no muscle of his own besides my two blonde friends when starting a gang war with some black dude was probably a red flag as to his abilities. As was modeling his assault on his enemy's pure side jacuzzi farm after Charlie's Theron's evasive tactics versus the... It's never too late for Prometheus joke. I'm just adding that, by the way, so don't laugh. Only laugh at the written. But it turned out my premonitions of doom were ill-founded, since Brittany and Whitley took out 60 dudes faster than Travis Bickle, didn't get tagged once, and scored a sweet-ass Lamborghini while I fucking rode the bus home sitting next to you. No offense. I bet spring break in 1919 was even crazier than this, Grandma. Anyway, we all learned our lesson, which is that Kevlar is no substitute for tan lines and are now ready to resume our studies right after summer recess, which starts today. AWK Cancun! Woohoo! The end. Uh, all right, I realized something uh, only after seeing this movie. Uh, Kelly Wan, I've never seen a Harmony Corinne movie. You didn't see Gummo? No, I didn't see Gummo. I, didn't, I mean, I'd seen some Larry Clark movies, which. I think I'm confused for Harmony Corinne movies. Thirteen, uh, is that him? Thirteen? No, 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 Lord, no. That's the, oh, one, the woman who went on to do Kids is Larry Clark. Thirteen Jake is the woman who went on to. Right. Uh, so, uh, so no, I'd never seen anything he had done before. This Kelly Wand is my first Harmony Corinne. I really movie. want your gummo review. I think it's, I, I'd be curious what you think. Well, one of the things that I think I knew, but not firsthand, is that Harmony Corinne has done some movies with Werner Herzog as an actor. Like, he's used Werner Herzog as an actor. And I, I think Her- Werner Herzog's hilarious as an actor. Uh, so I kind of want to see those. Like, Julian Donkey Boy. Um, and there's something. I get into that one. 
Well, you know, Harmony Korine wrote uh, or helped write Kids. I mean, he he didn't direct it, but he helped write it. Right. Right. Oh, so not totally dumb. Because it feels like a, a Harmony Korine movie. Kind of. Well, I think Larry, Larry Clark and Har- like I, I think they're kind of uh, cut from the same cloth in a way. So I feel like, and actually, my 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 point of reference for Harmony Korine is a Gus Van Sant movie, which I adore. Uh, I can understand some people might not like it, but there's a Gus Van Sant movie about the the final days of, of Kurt Cobain called uh, Last Days, and uh, Michael Pitt plays. Kurt Cobain, not by name. It's all. It's not a straight up biopic or anything. I don't think they. They specifically. It's obviously about Kurt Cobain, but I don't think they call him that. Uh, but there's one point where Michael Pitt, playing the, the character, uh, shortly before his suicide, wanders into a club uh, near in the in a town in a nearby town because uh, he's up in a farmhouse. So he wanders into this busy club, and Harmony Corinne sort of buttonholes him and holds forth about a D and D session. <laughs> What? Yeah, so Harmony Korine. It's awesome. I mean, he's in Last Days, just as the small appearance is this guy bending Michael Pitt's ear about playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, So so that's that's my frame of reference for for Harmony Korine. So this was a first for me. This is my first Harmony Korine movie. Uh, Kelly Wand, I know you've 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 spoken many times about Gummo. I feel like I've seen it. Uh, Dingus, what's your level of Harmony Korine expertise? Uh, I'm at, uh, wait, did you say you've seen Kids, Tom? I have, but that's just what he wrote. Yeah, I've never seen movies he's directed, but yes, I have seen Kids. Yes. All right, well, then you're ahead of me, because I, I, I haven't even seen Kids. I haven't seen Gummo. I haven't seen Julian Donkey Boy or anything. I haven't seen anything of Harmony Cranes. I want well, you, you to watch Gummo, too. Although... Uh, well, who directed that? Him. Of Gummo, too? He directed the sequel? Get it, Kelly Wand? Do you get it? <laughs> Sorry. I All right, so uh, let's see. So Kelly Wand, you get in here first as the uh, the most experienced Harmony Corinner. Explain to us what you thought of Spring Breakers. Mm, it's not as interesting as Gummo, but it's acceptable entertainment. I think in 30 years it'll be seen as an instructive period piece of 20th for early 21st century youth. More so than catfish. <laughs> Why do you got to go there? Why do you got to be that guy? You know I can't stand. It. I can't even eat catfish anymore because of that fucking movie. Hate <laughs> <laughs> as people. So Kelly, what you? It almost sounds like you're saying it will stand the test of time. Like it. it yeah, it, but in the way Bush, George W. Bush says, in a hundred years, I'll be seen as a genius, but we'll all be dead, so we can't like check. None of us will know this, so. I'm throwing that out there, but I'm see. I wish you'd seen Gummo first, because then you may have. It's good to double up, like when you made me watch Hump Day and Sister Sister back to back. It was better than if I just watched one of them. And that's and also because we're all we're all rednecks, the three of us. So Gummo would speak to your genes. Our white trash roots, right? White exactly. trash roots. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Dingus, what's your assessment of Spring Breakers? I I just found it so depressing. Good God, depressing. Sure. Interesting. Why? How so? Well, I've got a kid who's going to be a teenager at some point, and this just freaking depressed me. And then when the last half hour of a movie that is supposed to have this much energy makes me want to hit the fast forward button as many as many times as I wanted to, 
I just, I just was antsy and depressed. There's not a main. It's like the main character keeps changing. It's like there's there's just so much ridiculous artistic repetition yeah. uh, in the in the last half hour that I just I just got so upset. I was just like, how many times am I going to hear them call him a scaredy pants? Like, yeah, how many times it, do I have to hear the freaking word scaredy pants? I heard it. Four. You I call it artistic. Uh, artistic. Uh, Dingus, you call it artistic repetition. I, I call it uh, economics. He is using every single take uh, to be to get the most out of the footage that he has shot. No take is left unused. Uh, no, never leave a take behind. Come on, his gummo's. You uh, felt like he had an extra three hours of gummo he didn't need, or he had to like spare. Uh, that just that whole uh, shuffled. Storytelling, you know, he does that a lot. I don't know if this is part of his other movies, but in Spring Breakers, there's a lot of dialogue from one take used over another take, and and uh, things recalling back, you know, reusing certain footage at a later moment in the movie, and layering dialogue over different scenes. And to to me, like I was okay with it during the early bacchanalian part of the movie, and I was like, oh, he's sort of showing this state of mind when everybody's just crazy and partying and woohoo. Uh, but over as it as it continued, it just got tedious. That's like uh, a drug trip, though. So it's but you know what? The movie trip. isn't a drug. Like I could accept that for something like Enter the Void. You know, Gaspar yeah. Noé yeah. doing a, a state of mind movie. This Kelly Wan does not merit a state of mind movie storytelling. You know, when they when they yeah. and then when they when they get put in jail and when afterwards they're like, oh, this is terrible. I didn't want it to come out this way. And then when they're falling for James Franco and that whole relationship is unfolding, you, you know, that all that bacchanalia, we're so confused. Everything, there's, everything is timeless and frantic. All of that no longer fits. Uh, and it just felt gratuitous, sloppy, and, and, and tedious to me. Yeah, because Franco's not a spring breaker. And then it's very heavily about him for at least long middle stretch. And I would be curious if you guys agree with this. I felt a lot about him as I did about him in that Oz movie where he was in over his head and he couldn't carry the movie and the movie was expecting him to. I mean, he was trying to do Gary Oldman from True Romance and he just wasn't up to it. Uh, do, do you guys kind of agree? I was I was disappointed in him in, in this. Mm, if that's true, it was still... He had a lot of water to carry because they're supposed to be carrying it up till then. And then it shifts to him and becomes his star turn. It's just weird to keep seeing him every week in a different movie. <laughs> well, that's you can do that. You could, you, you don't and have He doesn't to. do drugs apparently in RL, but he keeps playing Balloonist to Go to Oz and Miami Coke. Uh, what's Male Madam called? His harem was way better than the black guy's harem. <laughs> well, gut wise, little social social economic statement there. Uh, Dingus, how did you, how did you find James Franco? I, I totally disagree with you. I think that um, I think he does so many different things in this part, and and he does a lot of different shadings and a lot of different carving in within what he's doing in that part. And I think, unfortunately for him, he's betrayed by the. The editing, and I would lay this at the feet of the director, because, again, he's showing, I think Kelly just made a joke about it, he's showing every single take, and that's not what you do to an actor. Um, you know, 
I think James Franco is giving him a lot to work with, but instead we get over and over again the scaredy pants or the 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 little rap line that he gives over and over and over again because there's just not enough material to stretch into this 95 minute movie. And I but I think that there's a lot that he's doing that I really really like and I think he's totally betrayed by what the director and editor end up making this movie into. Uh, how about the four girls? I got the two blonde ones mixed up, and the brunette's the one who's doing Justin Bieber. They broke up. One of my early concerns, which uh, was unfounded as the movie went on, was that I couldn't keep the blondes straight from each other, that they were all interchangeable, and that none of them was going to emerge with any sort of defining characteristic, and that it was all going to be about the, the brunette chicks, Selena Gomez, I think. Uh, yeah. And I don't, by the way, I don't know any of these women. I don't, I don't know any of their stuff. I didn't recognize any of them. Actually, I did recognize Vanessa Hudgens, because she was in... Oh, rats, what have I seen her in? Lee Shankly. No, she's been in some non-ridiculous things. <laughs> Glee. Uh, you called Tom out for Glee. That's awesome. <laughs> well, he's, she was on. She's not. It's High School Musical that she's from, I, and I just uh, know that. But she's been in some. Uh, Dingus, help me out. We've seen her in actual movies. Dingus, do you know what she's been in? That's like uh, not a joke movie. What What am I thinking of? Anyway, you guys can't help. But anyway, my, my concern was <laughs> she, that the, well, she was in Sucker Punch in thirteen. I mean, oh, uh, Sucker I, Punch. I, I, he thought you were trolling him, but you. No, I, what, I totally forgot it was Sucker Punch. Jeez, it's hard to remember yeah. Sucker Punch. Yeah, uh, but at any rate, I was worried that the three blondes uh, were just going to be undistinguished from each other. And then as I was watching the movie, I was like, "Oh, maybe that's the point." Yeah. Um, but then the the uh, Selena Gomez goes home, <laughs> and we're left with them. Uh, and the uh, only uh, thing, and I, did, I thought they were all pretty horrible. Like none of them, but. Watching it, I, I occasionally thought that I would like to see Ashley Benson in a real movie. Like, she was the one that kind of caught my eye, that as as I was watching them, she's the one who seemed most up to what Harmony Corinne was asking them to do. But for the most part, it felt like watching um, Death Proof. You know, Wait, was she the strawberry blonde one? Sorry. She was, uh, I think, the... Uh, the way I would describe her, she was the only one who seemed like she had any real acting chops. Um, she was kind of the... I like guess you'd shot. say the the dominant one. No, not so. She didn't get shot. Did she give the first call home to her mom or the second call home to her mom of the blondes? Of the she end? was the non Vanessa Hudgens blonde. Does that help at all? Does that uh, really not like if I say the one who seems like the most capable of being a good actress? The alpha one of them. One. one of them doesn't. Does she stand out for you guys? If the I Bradley use that Cooper one. Uh, yeah, I, just, I know. I know who you're talking about. Okay. I'm just being difficult. I like the I, I didn't mind Selena Gomez too much. And when you talk about Tom, when you talk about. Um, the the way he layers in the uh, dialogue from previous scenes and or other scenes. The, the moment I think about is when Selena Gomez is about to go away and she gives the Star Wars line, and then you see that bloody finger and the gun. What's the Star Wars uh, line? You can't just drop that on us. What's the Star Wars yeah. line? She says, I have a bad feeling about this. Come on. Wow. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> she didn't, I, I wrote... Yeah. Dingus writes at that point. Dingus writes in his notes, "Star Wars." I wrote in my notes, "Cassandra." Like I have to write. <laughs> I like what you just did to Star Wars, Tom. <laughs> totally put Kenobi in perspective. It's not a moon. So, all right, we cut you off, Dingus. So that, you <laughs> say, I, I can't say anything that's better than what you guys just did. <laughs> 
But so, Dingus, you actually like Selena Gomez, like like you thought she did pretty well. I mean, you know what? To be fair, uh, I, thought I thought she did great. That that moment where she's where he's uh, right up against her face, and he's uh, and she's saying, "I don't know you. Want to want to go home?" And they're intercutting that whole that whole those scenes where she's talking to the the three of her friends, and and what what I loved is. The looks those other girls were giving, where they're rolling their eyes, where she's just like, "This isn't fair. This isn't what what I signed up for. I want to go home. This is I'm not comfortable here." And they're all just rolling their eyes about that. I love what that pretends for later in the movie. I, I love how they they're these cold bitches that she's been warned about from her Christian friends. And say that again. Say that again. They are these cold bitches. <laughs> they're not going to put up with the banana of the tailpipe. Um, remember last week when Dingus got mad that I was calling the kid in the movie like his name's Connor because Dingus has kids. Oh, because you got the name wrong. Yes. Yeah. Like that was the one thing where just like, hey, all the stupid shit I was saying, making up. You know, I I can't I can't get away from the the fact that this movie was just constantly just. It was so depressing to me because I've got a kid and I know that at some point... He's a boy, though. He's fine. Yeah, he's a boy and he's going to be pretending to pee on one of these girls with a beer bottle. I just... I can't stand the way this movie portrays uh, teenagers and life and how how they're discovering life and getting away from it. It's just... It's just so disgusting and horrible to me. And I was so depressed the whole time. Dingus never went through that that stage himself. No, he so, doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know. This is his idea of a cautionary tale, even though it ends with like everyone living and rich. Yeah, Selena Gomez has a bad feeling about this, and yeah. the only thing one of them gets shot in the arm. Everybody. Yeah, else the one who dies is the bad is the one they're trying to get rid of. Now they have all his None shit. Of them dies? What do you? Ta- oh, oh, James Franco dies. Right, exactly. Yeah, all the girls are fine. Like the. Yeah, the whole I'm sure that's going to turn out great for them with that Lamborghini. It's oh wait! Watched. So Dingus is pull up, and Selena Gomez's character watches them pull up in that, and they're like, "Well, yeah, she got shot." But look, huh? <laughs> what happened to that El Camino from earlier? Oh, don't worry about it. We'll just give the guy the Lamborghini. He'll be fine. Dingus, do you think? Because one of my problems with this—I don't know about problems—but one of the things I noted is that I thought this was going to be uh, a sort of a, a tragedy or a thriller where or. Where these this morally bankrupt generation ends up uh, in in some dire straits, and one of them would die, or they'd be arrested, or I thought it would be like Kelly Wan mentioned, you know, a cautionary tale uh, about this morally bankrupt generation. Instead, I don't think any of the, I, I think the movie ends with none of them being worse for the wear, except for Rachel Corinne getting shot in the arm. Uh, do you, do you really think that there's any sense in this movie that they're somehow suffering or punished for what they've done, or do you, do you really think that the fact that they're driving off in that Lamborghini, the implication is that they're going to get caught? No, I don't think that at all. I think oh. the implication is the look on her face as she's driving away in this awesome car and has gotten away with this great, exciting crime is that she's just just as bored and and horrible as ever and nothing is going to satisfy her i mean look at her face as she's driving away it's just like oh well i mean nothing is going to satisfy any of these any of these people i mean that's what's so depressing about this movie spring break forever brah yeah brah (laughs) 
Uh, okay, if you say so. I mean, I didn't see any of that. I and I you don't I blame... see that look on their face. There's no joy. There's no joy in any of these people. They're bored throughout. I know these these the actresses are bikini filler. I didn't I didn't see much of I was any. Bored. I didn't see much of any sort of expression for, from any of them. And if that was the point of the movie, that by the time it's all over, they're just burned out and will never find joy in life, I certainly didn't see that. I just saw them driving away to go home. You know, their, their, their break didn't work out, whatever. They didn't care. They didn't care when James Franco got shot. They just, like, kissed his corpse and left. They'll um, find a new corpse to kiss. But I got no sense that any of them suffered in any way, and I'm not just saying I'm not saying I wanted them to. I just thought that's what kind of movie I was watching. Yeah, and, and it I never happened because it did it did subvert both our expectations. Like, I would I, almost, like the, the TV, the lesser, the more obvious play would have been what you're talking about. I guess you could put it that way, but then said only Dingus gets it, and you yeah. Are, well, I, gee, I just wish he'd actually been an alien, and there would have been some sort of spaceship involved <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Like a man who wasn't there kind of ending. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, here's like – I've said this before. Anytime you're watching a movie and at some point in the movie a professor is giving a lecture or a teacher is teaching something in the school, it matters what they are teaching. You know, the director, <laughs> the writer has obviously picked the substance of the lecture. So early on in Spring Breakers when the girls are drawing penises during a lecture about uh, yeah, the post – the, the post, no, the lecture is about the post-World War II generation, you know, people coming back from the war and then using that uh, – the, the horrors of the war to then speak out on behalf of civil rights. Like that was the substance of the lecture. Oh, you were listening to that? I was looking at those girls. Yeah. <laughs> I just – I want penis. Uh, yeah. And then furthermore, there was the sermon – uh, there was the sermon from that guy who – I liked the, that guy, by the way. I liked, he was like – he's some ex-wrestler, the actor, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, he gave some sermon about you always have the chance to escape temptation. And, and that right there is a framework for, I think, a pretty cool movie about you know to, today's generation and how they deal with, with stuff or don't have to deal with stuff. And I, I'm not sure how it tied in. I'm not sure I got the point. Um, Selena Gomez, yeah, she got to escape temptation. She left. Okay. That sermon came true. <laughs> What's the point then of contrasting it with the post-World War II generation? Because that's the story we'd rather want to see. And so he's commenting <laughs> on us. Because we got to stay with spring break. Like she, le she leaves the spring break. She went out the chicken exit. So we right. stick with the um, James Franco's plan. That's my theory. But I think it was all deliberate. Like the stuff you're saying about it, him not having enough footage, I don't think that's true. I think it was oh, no, no, right. No, I was definitely joking about that. But I do feel like that, you know, we see this movie about these people that go through something and I don't see any change in them. I don't see, you know, they they they're in their their own hometown and they're unhappy with it. They think it's boring. They think spring break is going to be great. They go to spring break. It's not great. They don't care. You know, terrible things happen. They commit crimes. They steal money. They get arrested. They're none the worse for the wear of it. They're driving back to their old home. So it was and great. I just didn't so see the, any sort of arc or progression or point, I guess. So and the, maybe the, calls, the calls to mom, those, yes. those calls to mom, but I want to be good now. I, I, I understand that the, the point of life is... Is to be is to be good. I mean, I want to be good. I want to be a better person. Right. Those calls are, are meaningless. The, right, well, why why are they on, making those calls then? Right, Dingus. Those calls are absolutely meaningless because they then go on to watch James Franco get shot in the head and to blithely shoot uh, whoever that that 
other drug dealer was and all of his henchmen. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. Those calls were pointless, I think. They just won the whole mob war. By so so is, that just a, is that just a fault of filmmaking, or is that just a vapidness of character that he's trying to show us? Because she says, yeah, Mommy, I think the secret to life is being a good person. And so if you can interpret it that, that what they're doing is righting a wrong and then driving off back to home, and maybe they intend to do that, but is that just terrible writing? What is that? Uh, the secret in life is to be a good person, and then we have the later, like, Miami Vice cut, weird, shoot 'em up scene. What is that? So the, the being a good person is because your friend got shot in the arm and didn't want to play anymore, so she went home, is to then gun down a dozen people. Right. Who shot her? There well, I don't think so either. But 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 I'm just asking what you're saying. It's just it's just horrible filmmaking. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think it is. Uh, I, I'm just not sure that Harmony Corinne has a point. If he was trying to make one, it escaped me. I guess. Oh, that's looks uh, yeah. I, I think it escapes him too. Uh, but I think I think at the very end, at least you see them driving away in the Lamborghini and looking sad. <laughs> well, they sang that Britney Spears song. That's always nice. There's at least two Britney Spears songs on this. I That's love that. Uh, so did she, in one of those messages, those voiceover messages, if I'm not mistaken, she says to her grandmother on the message, spring break for... Here with you. Doesn't she say that? Go ahead. Say what now? I thought that's what you were going to say, because doesn't she say, I can't wait to come back here next year with you? No, that's a couple of times. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it I thought later, it, one of the later messages, <laughs> it was a voiceover, and it almost seems like the writing forgot that the voiceover was a message being left on her mother or grandmother's machine because she, she didn't start saying spring break forever, bitches. <laughs> I'm like, is that how you talk to your mom? That's the message you were leaving on your mom's answering machine. Uh, Let's say talk to your grandma, but not your mom, obviously. I guess so. Well, here's here's the thing is I I feel like Harmony Corinne, based on just this movie, I don't I don't have any wider frame of reference, but based on just this movie, I get the sense that he can occasionally be stylish, but for the most part, he is entirely artless as a, as a filmmaker. Uh, it, it just all seems shuffled and tedious to me. Um, I I didn't care for the writing. The the fact that you can write a story about women in bikinis wearing pink balaclavas or whatever you call those things with, with the unicorns on them and make it this uninteresting to me and this devoid of a point uh i just find astonishing um for instance that first robbery you know when they robbed the chicken diner uh i love the way he shot that i love too the, the way that car circles around the diner yeah. is really cool and we stay with the girl in the car i don't know which one of them it is and in a way it doesn't matter we stay with the girl in the car and it's one take and the car circles around and we see some stuff through the window and that's great and i felt like it should be left at that and and again it's almost like how oh, we need to use every take that when they then later are describing the crime to selena gomez and that he cuts back to footage shot inside the diner I just felt like, don't show us this, you know, have the girls tell the other girl, you know, let us watch them telling it, but don't go back. You've, you've given this this great scene, and part of what's great about it is the stuff we don't see, and now he's showing us the interior shots, which I just was like, what? don't use that. Just let the girls talk about it. But again, I thought that the actresses couldn't carry off that scene. Uh, I just thought that that was just kind of bad and embarrassing. Uh, you know, they're trying to look 
I, I mean, I think the movie at this point is wanting us to think that they're dangerous, and I never believed that, by the way. No, I um, never believed that could have carried. I mean, the first thing I think, as the car's circling around and the girl puts the squirt gun up to the back of that huge black guy's head, yeah. is that, that's it. You're done. He's not going to have any of this. He's going to laugh at Yeah. Him. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and he, he just doesn't – I don't think Harmony Korine knows how to edit these things down because there's this huge – protracted sequence where uh, James Franco is sitting at the piano and hitting one note over and over again and singing a song forever. And I just wanted to take that piano and throw it into the infinity pool. I mean, enough already. I mean, just there's not enough material here for an hour and a half movie. Well, and also, Dingus, I mean, you, you do talk about like a, a an actor being betrayed by a director. You know, James Franco, I presume, was asked, okay, improvise this, this song about four chickies. And that was just like embarrassing how long it went on and how bad it was and how it felt like he was just really grasping for the next verse. Uh, that Arm was just far rhymes. <laughs> I guess so. Shorter and Lord. Yeah, and he, then he's, he, he did the same verse again too. That's what it's. It's all like that. Like the whole. It's a it doesn't feel long enough to be a ninety-minute deliberately made movie. Well, even all the stuff in the club where he's having a confrontation with his best friend, I feel like the editing is such that we could have had this done in one quick scene and we would have gotten all that information. But instead we go outside and inside and out and over and then we're in some like like laundry room part. Or, I don't know what the hell's going on in that club scene, but it's it's about 20 minutes too long. Yeah, and it... it the way it's structured is they look at each other and then raise their shirt like, I got a, I got a guy, you got a guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Picture that happening for ten minutes. And then over and over. And that's how... And that's their first fight? I, it's, you know, I always get annoyed when I can't tell if a character's dumb or smart. And it's like, Franco seems implausibly devoid of cutting for how much money he's got. But look at shit. <laughs> he shows up for his final his final showdown with yeah. us. He's, he's an got idiot. he's got seven thousand guns. He shows up with one. And where are his two? He's got those funny looking twin dudes with him. Why doesn't he bring them on yeah, the shootout instead of uh, Brittany and, and Alyssa or whatever? Why doesn't he bring those guys? What what are those guys? Are are they busy that night? What was Apparently going on they're there? Their shots. Who think? They're doing DPs that night. One, two, three, what if Frank would start just playing that riff, and then they that was the song they did? I, I think more movies need more Britney Spears. I was so hoping that would, that was going to happen, that he was going to sit there at the piano and play that. Oh. <laughs> that have been weird. And then we find out Harmony Corinne never listens to the podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, that was for Tom. So he showed up about how I had to use all my footage. Fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, oh well, let's do a three by three. Yes, Kelly oh, Wine. When James Franco was giving the Uzi silencer a BJ, I heard a chick a couple rows down go, that's disgusting. And then I said, forgetting I was talking aloud, I go, compared to a dick? And then she looked back at me. Mm. 
I had some folks get up and leave. I, I think I had about two uh, two couples at, at one point got up and they'd had enough of that movie and they walked out. It's one of those movies where you want to see see it. That makes Miss America. Just like last week when you said they cheered, your audience cheered the Lincoln skull crush. No one cheers that up here. I had three people leave during my showing. Yeah. And it was a small theater. So yeah. Were they teenagers, like young people? Because the boyfriend of the chick who went, that's disgusting, I heard him go, worst movie ever. Has <laughs> got <up> and <laughs> they toughed it out to the end and then went, fuck <laughs> And those are Canadians. So they'll sit through it. They'll sit through Cloud Atlas, give it every chance, and then go, all right. The girls behind me were just complaining about the repetitive, all that sort of like, see? Scaredy pants, scaredy pants. If I hear scaredy pants, scaredy pants. You guys are just like them. Yep. Well, let's do a three by three. This week's three by three, gentlemen, uh, is flags. Presumably American flags. Um, Uh, Presumably. What are you talking about? You said uh, you were specific. Whatever our nationalities are is what flags we're allowed to use. Exactly. Yeah. Other, yes. If I mean other people from other countries might participate in the three by three, and they might point. choose their national flag as well. So most of these, I presume, will be American flags. Who knows? We have uh, uh, listeners in Scandinavian countries, maybe in Asia. <laughs> Who knows? Their flags might be featured in movies, and we can hear about those. But starting with us. Uh, Let's see, next week's 3 by 3 is yours, Kelly Wan, so why don't you start us off with your number three pick for a favorite flag in a movie? Next week's is mine, isn't it? Nope, yeah, okay, it's... next week's is Dingus, so what I meant to say is, Dingus, why don't you start us off with a line from a movie that features a flag? All right, here's a line from uh, my, my third favorite movie featuring a flag. Mm-hmm. Be seated. Now, I want you to remember that no bastard ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by making some other poor bastard die for his country. So, Dingus, that is not from a movie. That's from an actual general. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Not a movie. I chose top three generals who stand in front of ginormous flags. Those are stars, though, or like medals with ribbons on them, not flags, right? No, no, it's a huge, uh, you know, the Rest. flag budget in Patton was greater than the budget for the battle scenes. <laughs> so, yeah, this is an easy one. But <laughs> that, that unbelievably, ridiculously enormous uh, flag in front of uh, Patton, uh, as George C. Scott delivered. Oh, yeah. Wow. Is that a real flag, though? Or is it just flag? It's CG. It's a lot of little people dressed as a flag. They're all standing next to each other. Little people. Uh, Dingus, who directed Patton? Anyone of note? Uh, it's Frank, uh, Franklin G. Schaefer. Uh, sorry, Schaffner. Sorry, Schaffner. I, I don't know what else he did. But I who wrote it, Kelly Wan? Did you say Nora Ephron wrote it? Coppola. <laughs> oh, Coppola. <laughs> did you see the preview for that Sofia Coppola movie? The they jammed it in front of. Yeah. yeah, they jammed it in front of Spring Breakers yeah. after the regular previews. Uh, thanks. Studio. Yeah. That was weird, wasn't it? Because. At my theater, the preview showed, and then we had feature presentation, dun, 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 and then that preview. Yeah, I didn't appreciate that, Sofia Coppola. Uh, so, so Kelly Wand, you were saying, uh, so Patton, directed by Frank Schlafler, and well, written. I think this was, I said he just wrote, Coppola wrote it. And Francis Ford Coppola wrote Patton. Does Patton hold up? Has anybody here seen Patton in the last 20 years? I have. I, I really like Patton, and I especially like the way that opening is a, is this great sort of, I don't know, not a prologue for the movie. And I, I just freaking love that ginormous, ridiculously ginormous flag. I like George C. Scott 
In most things. The Hindenburg? Oh, he's in that? Is he doing the watch thing? Watch parts? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's the detective who gets blown up. And, he's and good in the he's hustler. The, he's the, the Nazi detective, I believe. Yeah. Oh, you know what? He's in my favorite Exorcist movie, too. That can't be your favorite Exorcist movie. Oh, wait. Three's the best. Three's the best, I'm telling you. Because the first one is kind of boring. The first one's boring until the exorcism. They just it is around. not better than one, Kelly Wand. You were oh. saying Exorcist yes. 3 is better than Exorcist 1. Oh, yeah, bitch. <sighs> Three. What? I'd take the girls in Spring Breakers to see the third one, and they'd all have sex with me. And the first one. <laughs> oh, boy. Even the Selena Gomez character? No, she wouldn't. I'd have to she would want to go home. I'd have to slip her to the piece. She doesn't know you. But the heretic, if I go, it's this or that. If you're going to watch Exorcist... Uh, back to Dingus' uh, entry and Patton. This thing was... <laughs> All right, so Patton, that's a famous flag. Very good, Dingus. Uh, Kelly Wan... Hey, was he yeah. dead? He just said, hey, it was big. Was that's that all? all I said. All right. I really, all I said was, hey, it was big, and that's what I said. It's like well, Patton is... It's such a fixture of Americana, you know. It's uh, World War II. America saved Europe. Uh, and Patton is that kind of... Frankly, I think it's a little jingoistic. Yeah, um, but he just knows it is. It's kind of like Spring Breakers. You can't tell how much is on purpose. Patton? But do you remember Patton, the way that... Paul correctly, Patton's entirely earnest, isn't it, Dingus, the movie? No, but Coppola, he's not... Coppola's more nuanced writer than... No, I, I don't think it is. And the way it's set up, where the, the flag sits there, and it is ridiculously huge, and and you hear this him marching up onto the stage and and sort of rising up into the frame... I mean, it's it's a little ridiculous, which is one of the. But that's why, right? It's obviously on purpose. Like, no, it's tricking Tom apparently. But is the rest of the movie though? Like, isn't? I mean, I know, like, he's a dick to some guys when they're like when they're they won't go back to the front lines, and they're and he's all, oh, you don't have an injury though, so he gives them shit. You can't. It's just about his personality, so it's not really commenting on whether or not it's in earnest. I can't really speak to. I just remember it being. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but I just remember it being eye-opening because he was, like, as Kelly once said, such a dick. Right. But well, the, the flag... All, dun, 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 dun. It's like, I mean, so it's kind of deliberate. It's both ways. But yeah, but I don't recall, like, I, it seems to me the flag isn't at all ironic, or the size of it. I mean, I think it really is this idea that here is this fixture of Americana, and it's, it's larger than life, and it's so American, and Patton was great, and he did what it what it took to win World War II. I mean, I, I seem to just recall that being the angle, and maybe I was just too young to appreciate it's, if there was any of Coppola's more subversive stuff in there. It's more ironic than the flags in Armageddon, your favorite movie, and probably number one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll grant you that, Kelly Wand. Yes. So it was a very different time. Uh, when, when was Patton made? That's got to be a, a 70s movie, uh, right? It was 1970, exactly. Ah, so the 70s hadn't really arrived yet. It was made back in the 60s, so yes. it wasn't, yeah. So. And it's I, that kind of movie where they're transitioning. <laughs> right. It's pre-70s. Uh, all right, Kelly Wand, what is your number three pick for a flag in a movie? Uh, I'll do a quote. <clears throat> Jane, you're slouching. I added the laugh. Is that airplane? Oh, close in the sense that it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be silent. Uh, it's got to be a Gorillas in the Mist, the Jane Goodall thing. <sighs> Jesus, this better not be zapped. I'm going to be so pissed at you if this is zapped. 
Zapped opens with the flag above the high school because in other countries, when high school students spill chemicals, it kills them or they have to clean it up by hand or they discover something. But in America, it gives you telekinesis so you can clean it up by using the power of your mind. But isn't the character in Airplane named Jane? Isn't that Jane? Isn't that – what's her name? Damn it. Julie uh, – Haggerty? Haggerty, yeah. Uh, never <laughs> that, mind. You thought her name was Jane in the movie. And therefore, <laughs> I just remember somebody saying the word Jane. All right, so you okay, Zap? Sorry, I separated uh, on airplane. I apologize. Well, it's the same school of comedy. Kelly Wand is zapped at all ironic, or is it in earnest? No, it's very jingoistic. <laughs> all right, my number three pick. Uh, is there more to be said about the the uh, American flag in Zapped? Does anything? Does it ever get telekinetically manipulated? He Kelly Wand uses by the wind. Yes. But Scott Bay uses telekinesis to sweep the mess into the dustpan, although I was thinking he could just move the fragments into the trash. He doesn't need the dustpan. It's like three best uses of dustpans. Right? All right, we'll save that for that three by three. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> All right, Zach. Uh, so a funny thing happened with my uh, picks for this. None of mine are by American directors. And that was a complete oh. accident. It was only after I arranged them that I realized, oh, none of these guys is actually from – America. Um, but Earth, yes. They are all from Earth, yes. Black snaps come from inside either. So my number three pick is a South African director named Richard Stanley, uh, who did a movie back in the 90s, which is kind of a pretty much a Terminator ripoff, but it had its own kind of aesthetic. It didn't even have its own. It was very much that, that kind of 80s cinematography, and it was about a killer robot. So it was actually just, it was an incredibly derivative movie, but Richard Stanley, somehow it, it put his own stamp on it. And I don't think it's very good, but in a weird way, it holds up. It's still fascinating to watch. It's, it's a movie called Hardware. And the premise oh, I hate of that movie. You like do you that? really? Why do you hate yeah. Hardware? I uh, think you would love before. Goodfellas, and it was, it was just I think maybe it was just a bad double feature. But I remember being really bored by it. And bored? No, Kelly Wan, not you. Really? Hardware? Dude. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Do you know maybe his? It, the, do you know the movie he did afterwards called uh, Dust Devil? No, but I like that title better. Oh, you see it. So Hardware was basically a Terminator ripoff, and Dust Devil was supposed to be a supernatural serial killer movie about a demon in in, uh, in South Africa. But the studio wanted it to be more like Silence of the Lambs. So there's this terrible butchered version of Dust Devil uh, that was actually released, but you can get his original cut of it on DVD, and it's a fascinating movie. Um, and I, I still think hardware is like it, – he's it's got such this painterly quality to it. It's almost like a Catherine Bigelow movie in a way. It, it shares a lot in common with like um, – What's the vampire one? Not Dusk Till Dawn. Somebody help Near me. Near Dark. Near Dark, right, exactly. Uh, I think it's got some of that same quality to it, that sort of raw 80s action quality stuff. But so hardware, the point is, it's a post-apocalyptic movie, and in the fiction of this movie, these people come in from the wastelands bringing uh, scrap, salvage, and then they sell it. Um, so the movie opens with this guy finding a robot skull. Uh, it looks like, you know, it's like, looks like, it looks like a Terminator head. And he brings it into town. It's this freaky outlander guy, and he sells it to a junk dealer in town. And he, he sells this skull. And then Dermot Mulroney, no, Dylan McDermott, uh, <laughs> comes in and he buys it for his girlfriend, 
who is a sculptor. She does this industrial artwork, and he buys this skull, and he's like, here, baby, this is for you, and he gives it to her, and she makes a sculpture out of it, and she paints an American flag on it, uh, and she makes it the centerpiece in this ridiculous piece of artwork that involves, like, baby dolls and stuff like that, and, and you can just it, – it just – it looks awful, but she's an artist, and it's art. However, the problem is this skull is part of the Mark 13, like, self-actualizing killer robot <laughs> developed by the government. So it comes alive, and it reassembles itself in her apartment using pieces of this artwork with this American flag-painted skull, and it proceeds to murder people, including, like, her boyfriend and the other residents, and there's this weird sexual stuff with this peeping Tom guy, uh, and then it has a battle with her. Um, and I, hardware, I, I think, in a weird way, is, is worth watching, Kelly Wand. You're making it sound good. It's, it, you know, it, it, some of dust. the effects are really cool. They do cool, like, practical effects, and the robot is, I, I mean, I think it's definitely worth watching. Um, I think I have trouble finding robots scary, unless they look like Arnold. Mm, this is a pretty scary, freaky-looking robot, and I love the fact that it starts out being just a hunk of junk, and then it gets an American flag painted on it, and it comes alive and rebuilds itself. Um, well, I feel I, like I might have liked it more if it had been called Sculpture, but with K-U-L-L. <laughs> I like where you're going. Uh, what were you saying, though, about stuff? Well, I was just—you could argue that uh, that the, it is the robot is mad that it had an American flag painted on it. Like how? Except that it's a Japanese flag. <laughs> or like the robot in uh, uh, doesn't God. the robot in, in there's a robot in Saturn Five and doesn't he murder like Harvey Keitel to get Kirk, and, and he Fawcett. wears yeah like he wears his skin or something or yeah. I, I like I like that yeah is it Saturn Wait, Five Nine Three what what Saturn, is that fuck Saturn five? five I think Saturn Three doesn't sound right but wait he wears Kirk Douglas's skin to have sex with Farrah Fawcett. Or yeah, he I, falls in love with Farrah Fawcett, and doesn't he, like, put his, Kirk Douglas's head on, on top of him? That's the phrase you use. It's programmed. Uh, I don't remember that. Did, is that another of your three? No, no, because I don't think there's... There's no American flag in Saturn 13, or whatever that is, as far as I can recall. Remember that movie Demon Seed? Where yeah. Well, Demon Seed, hardware has a lot... It, it has a lot in debt uh, to Demon Seed. Absolutely. That was what computers were considered back when they made movies like that. Like Rogue AIs, man. Yeah, you can't trust them. Also, as a computer, it could rape the wife, and then her baby will look like her dead child, but it looked like the thing, too, from Fantastic Four. Do you remember that ending? Uh, I wonder. I actually don't. I mean, I know. I remember the premise. Does Demon Seed hold up? Mm, it's a weird title for a movie about a computer rape, isn't it? I'll see Demon Seed, Kelly Wand, if you see hardware. And Dingus, you see you see uh, Saturn V. <laughs> Dingus is still here. Good. Dingus, what is your number two pick for a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. Is this the first time you've lost a soldier? Patton again? The same thing. <laughs> this is, it's this is Patton 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> uh, Patented. Wait, what's uh, the quote? Is this the, is this the first time you've lost a soldier? Lost a soldier. Toy soldiers. Soldier. Kurt Russell. Uh, Universal Tom. soldier. Things that are green. <laughs> Here's the dialogue that leads up to it. He was an idiot. He was doing his job. Uh, what? Alone, he was out of his league. 
Is this the first time you've lost a soldier? Oh, no. Avengers again? Fuck. Bet Avengers. So this is Ew. totally cheating. This is Captain America, and this is... <laughs> Shield's not a flag? That doesn't well, count. his outfit is basically an American Tom... Are you gonna well, I can't stand? tell you what I can't say anything about this because uh, a robot skull is not a flag. I mean, the flag ah. is painted on the robot skull, but it's not a flappy flag. So Dingus can do Captain America's shield. It's a fair Circumference. point. Circumference. Circumference. <laughs> so I'm doing this because uh, I felt really guilty upon <laughs> upon watching Avengers. Uh, uh, how I reacted to Captain America the movie because I, I I kind of you know Tom really liked it I didn't care for Captain America the movie and I kind of felt like why why is this movie exist why why have they made this movie about the Cold War about this era about this rah rah Americanism we're clearly in a different time now well once you see when you see the Avengers you see oh that's why it really it's it's just a wonderful payoff because you have lines like this or or just things where where Captain America is dealing with where we are in this country now at, after he's been asleep for 70 years so you get, and I really love this this thing where he says when I went under the world was at war I wake up they say we won they didn't say what we lost and yet <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that. I don't care. No, I, you know what? I laugh at it, but it's good. I laugh it's at it because it's good. Literally, <laughs> a talking flag. <laughs> well, well, he is. And, and so I love that sense of patriotism that he brings from 70 years ago up until now. And and that he's talking about they didn't say what we lost because that's sort of near and dear to my heart because of what we went through. Uh, through this whole ridiculous... ridiculous uh, is the wrong word to use, but this unbelievably and interminable war on terrorism and that that he is carrying a flag and is dressed in a flag for all intents and purposes and is saying lines like they didn't say what we lost i really kind of love that so dingus i'm gonna put forward this the 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 suit and shield of captain america dingus i get that reference Wait, so I get mocked because I claim that Ray Liotta's skull in Hannibal was a hat, but <laughs> Captain America's fucking threat. Kelly Wand, Kelly Wand, son, just don't. <laughs> Some of my favorite Captain America quotes, I'm happy to get to use them. Wait, I thought that was from... <laughs> Kelly, you are the Avengers yeah. hater on this podcast, and I think in a hundred years, everyone will know that you were wrong. <sighs> yeah, the war on terrorism, Captain America really spoke to that for me. And he was waving from a pole, so... Yeah, Frankly, that. I don't get to say, son, just don't, often enough. I mean, I, <laughs> I really am grateful for that opportunity. <laughs> No, I was thinking of not cool when Tom Cruise blocks a knife to the groin from a steward. <laughs> to the what? A male steward. One of the dwarves in the Hobbit growing. Tell you what is your number two pick for presumably an actual flag, not a flag yeah, pattern, an actual cloth flapping flag? Yes. So what do you got for us? I use only real flags that exist. Not flags that I did only imagined and weren't in movies that didn't exist. 
So my number two is in Wild Wild West, the uh, Confederacy spider in gray with St. Andrew's Cross flag that Kenneth Brownig uh, planted in Missouri, and that's how we lost those states. So it's got a spider on it, which I thought was cool. The giant mechanical spider, that whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, well, I thought the flag came first, and he, he made the spider so it would go with the flag. <laughs> the trouble to to the... Kelly one, is that movie in earnest? Um, yeah, I think so. By the end, you're like, mm, I see what they're trying to say. If only Kevin Smith had written it's it. It's about manifest destiny. <laughs> or as I call it, manifestomy. <laughs> Fuck you, Wand. Get off the internet. I, I like your synopsis for 19th century American foreign policy. Very good. See, uh, that's right. That's, a, that's our legacy of what we have in terminal war on terror. Okay, so my number two, again, not an American director. This is a French director named Alexander Aja. Uh, uh, in uh, The Hills Have Eyes, which <laughs> is a remake of a horrible Wes Craven movie, uh, oh, he, he wants to make this point about... Um, the American nuclear program, and that's the, the these mutants, this mutant cannibal family is is literally fallout from the American nuclear program. So the final showdown takes place on a, a nuclear test site with the dummies and everything, just like that horrible Indiana Jones movie. Um, and in one of the fights, the hero, the guy who ends up being stronger after coming through all this the horrors with the mutant cannibals, he takes a it's not a small flag. It's not like a little tiny one that you would put on a cake or something. It's more like one you might put on the, the, the window of your car or something. But it's an American flag, and it's got a dagger-sized handle, and he stabs it through the skull of one of the evil mutants. Um, and it's no accident, you know. It's, it's <laughs> Like Alexander- Harvey Corrine would have had it. <laughs> exactly right. It just would have been the footage of it. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, killing one of the evil mutants by an American flag in uh, Hills Have Eyes. But the, the thing is, it's, it uses the flagpole, but the, the actual flag, Kelly Wand, is still ridiculously at the top of the little pole. You know, when the mutant gets stabbed, the, the flag is unfurled and in full view. Uh, it's, it's definitely a fixture of, what, of what's going on there. Yeah. Um, that's still death by pole, though, and he to kill him by the flag. He would have had to have like asphyxiated him with the flag. Which that's is- true. That's true. You're right. Um, but the flag was not detached. It stayed intact. It was is an important part of the pole. They could use Captain America and the Avengers to asphyxiate Galactus. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, all right, Dingus. It. What is your number one pick for a flag in a movie? Give us a line, maybe. What's a line from the movie? <laughs> Here's a line from it. So wait a minute. What you're saying is you want us to put water on the crops? Water? Like, out the toilet? <laughs> Kelly, what accent do you think he was doing? That was, that was like his uh, dumb person. It's definitely Miller's Crossing. <laughs> uh, Rhonda has a plants carve. Right? That was his girl voice, too. I mean, yeah, it was definitely like the ditzy blonde girl. Yeah, like, you, you could, I could see him doing lines from Spring Breakers in that voice. Yeah, she's not blonde, by the way. That girl is not blonde. I don't think there was a single blonde in sight in Spring Breakers. Oh wait, oh you're talking about uh, uh, I see idiocracy. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, Dingus, tell us about the American flag and idiocracy. Well, the stripes of the American flag have been replaced by corporate sponsorship logos. Uh, Junior Specifically, stars. Carl's Jr. And I love uh, idiocracy, and I love uh, the fact that, the, that Camacho is wearing it and flipping everybody off because everybody in Spring Breakers, their favorite thing to do with their finger was, sadly, to flip everybody off. So uh, Dingus and I were hanging out earlier tonight, and I could hear him working on his three by three, giggling profusely. And I'm pretty sure it's because he was watching no, clips. From... <laughs> it's either Patton or idiocracy. Yeah. You don't know Dingus like I know Dingus. That's true. Good point. Kelly, what what is your number one pick for use of a flag in a movie? Oh, this one's good because it's a bad movie, but it's like the best thing in it. Remember in Mars Attacks when the Martian <laughs> shakes Jack Nicholson's hand and then the hand turns into a monster and it kills him and then the hand becomes a flag with a red pyramid with an eyeball on top. So it's kind of like American currency. She's like, flag is a flag. No, I don't remember that. Anyway, that happened. So my number one's that. All right. Tim Burton's terribly earnest movie about what will happen if aliens come to Earth. Very good, Kelly Wan. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that Tim Burton? Mars Attacks? Yeah. That thing, right? Yeah. yeah. $60 million. Big, yeah, it's a big mess, right? There's nothing worth watching in that, is there? Uh, I remember liking Jack Nicholson's president, but not the other guy. And Natalie Portman's kind of cute in it. And they do that. All the Martians blew up because of that music. I thought the song was kind of... Oh, cool. God. It was Slim Whitman. Wasn't it a big Slim Whitman gag? I remember kind of liking Pierce Brosnan and Sarah Jessica Parker getting their heads put on dogs or something. Right, right. And then, it's no Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, with the head, you know, a person's head on a dog looking yeah. freaky. Oh, yeah. God, there's so much I know. Well, you know, that'll be another three by three. Uh, freaky instances Uses of heads. dogs with people's heads. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my number one pick, you guys you guys haven't seen it. This is another, uh, not an American director. Uh, I watched this horrible, horrible horror anthology called The ABCs of Death. Um, wow. And each director got a letter, uh, and they mostly did just terrible shorts, and it was just excruciating watching this. But uh, the letter P was directed by a fellow named Simon Rumley, and it was pretty much the only, there were maybe like, two and a half that weren't awful and the best one, the one that was actually good was Simon Rumley's uh, letter P and the word he used was uh, pressure um, so if you want to see a good little horror short, just rent ABCs of Death and skip forward to the letter P you'll see something by a guy named Simon Rumley so after seeing that I wanted to see well what other movies has this guy made uh, it turns out I had seen a movie he made called The Quick and the Dead which is this weird creepy thing about uh, this re retarded guy in England taking care of his terminally ill mother and it was just like gross and creepy and uncomfortable um, but I hadn't seen uh, a movie he made called Red, White and Blue um, which I think so I, I think is ingenious there's a uh, there's uh, sometimes movies or literature is referred to as Southern Gothic. Uh, I I would describe Red, White, and Blue as uh, it's going to sound a little pretentious, but I would describe it as Texas Jacobian. So uh, <laughs> put that in your pipe, Kelly Wand. Uh, what what Red, White, and Blue is is a tragedy about three characters, all of whom are are good people who do reprehensible things. And the brilliance of the movie is that it shows you each of these three characters' range and complexity in the course of being good people doing reprehensible things. And furthermore, 
in the course of the movie, each character has a unique relationship to an American flag. And that's all I'll say. Um, what? You're going to leave me with that? I'm not going to remember what you said by the time I watch it. <laughs> Spoil it all the way or don't say anything. Well, it's just so it's Simon Rumley, he's, he's a British director, and he's doing this Southern Gothic story. Um, and he he figures out, you know, he calls it red, white, and blue. I, I think that's a little gratuitous. It's not, well, and he figures out a way to associate each character with an American flag. So there you go. So it's uh, when like I, ABCs. He likes series, like anthologies. Seems to be his thing. Red, white, and blue is not an anthology, not at no. all. So it's, not it's, a, it's a, no, no, it's a drama. I mean, it's all about these three characters relating to each other. Uh, it, it's uh, yeah, not an anthology at all. And the ABCs one, what was X? Xylophone or X-ray <sighs> machine radiation? I don't something about X-ray. I don't. Re- I don't remember. I remember so few of those because they're just you. Between. Q was oh Q was one of the good ones. Q was a guy named Adam Wingard who did a movie I've talked about here before called A Horrible Way to Die. He did the framing device in VHS, another horror anthology. And Q was Adam Wingard's uh, quack. So there you go. Wait, duck or doctor? None of your business. Maybe you should see it. (laughs) It's flag P H L A G. You want. Uh, so there you go. Let's go to some uh, reader submissions. Wait, uh, Dingus is number one? Dingus is number one is a movie called Idiocracy. Oh. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. All right. So uh, we, uh, Fred and Lynn, write in. Uh, excuse me. Well, uh, write in number three. Oh, I like this. Oh, Peter Fonda's American flag back patch in Easy Rider, but I'm recalling his, wasn't his fuel motorcycle, tank on his motorcycle? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. With- and it kills him, too. What's that tell you? That uh, the movie is ironic? <laughs> uh, Christopher terrible. Reeve as Superman flying through the air, flagpole in hand, returning old glory to the White House in Superman 2. Mm-hmm. Starring Richard Pryor. Uh, and then finally... They pick George C. Scott in front of the gargantuan American flag in Patton. Huh. Wasn't his helmet uh, American flag, too, in Easy Rider? Jack Nicholson's was, but I guess he got it from one of them, didn't he? I don't remember. I thought, I thought, yeah, all right. Well, it wasn't, didn't Jack Nicholson, like, on the motorcycle, didn't he wear, like, a a football helmet with an American flag? Uh... I can't remember movies I watched, not sound. (laughs) Paul Weimer (laughs) writes to us, uh... Number three, a flag is foreshadowing. The U.S. flag on the moon is seen early on as the alien spacecraft coming to attack the Earth passes over it in Independence Day. I kind of like that. That's my one thing I like about Independence Day. I actually really like that opening. And I like it shake, it jitters the footprints off. Like it totally fucks us up. Like the first monument destroyed is flag and footprints. We know what, Kelly Wan? We'll see if Roland Emmerich has any other cool flag gimmicks for us in uh, White House Down. In a few months. What do you think of that? Channing Tatum. Yep, you bet. And, and Jamie Foxx from Django Unchained. Oh! See? Uh, Paul Weimer's number two pick, a flag as a weapon. A small American flag is used to take down one of the mutants in the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. Thank mm-hmm. you, Paul. And wow. number one, flag as jingoism. Non-ironic. <laughs> my comment, not Paul's. Uh, Paul writes, the giant flag is the backdrop and prop for George C. Patton, George C. Scott's sidebar. He writes, I suspect given your movie tastes, my number two is going to be scooped and my number one might be too obvious. 
So, Paul, you are correct. I agree with them. Both counts, yes. Uh, Phoebe Harris writes to us, Hey, guys, the topic was hard, especially since everyone knows the best use of the flag was in the Star Trek episode, The Omega Glory. Oh. When the Yangs pledge allegiance to an American flag, they just happen to have lying around near their copy of the Constitution. I have no what? idea what Phoebe is talking about, but I'm sure What's it would go over great. I'm sure it would go over great on a TV podcast. Uh, she then writes, I had a very hard time finding actual flags in movies, but I didn't want to disappoint Kelly Wand with another chickless reader submission. Aww. So I have instead broken the topic. And this is a list of best American flags in movies used as costumes. All right, Phoebe, I like it already. <laughs> and she writes, it was that or best flag draped coffins. So mm, instead we get costumes. Thing. Here we go. Uh, Dingus, you'll like this. Number three, Captain America in, not the Avengers, but in Captain America. She calls it the classic. I've always loved the shield. Number two, Apollo Creed in Rocky. Ah, oh, that's a good one. As Rocky said, quote, he looks yeah. like a big flag. <laughs> and, he's looking, and, he's, and he's looking at his shorts when he's saying that. So he's using so the word he, big in, in Rocky In the first Rocky, then, not yeah. in Rocky Four. No, Rocky won. Well, he gives him the oh, shorts no, no, after she, he dies. Or no, before he dies. Oh, she's talking about Apollo Creed. All right, no. Jeez. Yeah, Apollo Creed in, in Rocky in the first. Because it's a 1976 movie. I'm just thinking about how uh, Rocky IV uses the flag so egregiously. No, this is this is oh, this is gangster old old school Rocky. Rocky three Rocky wears the flag that Apollo gives him. Uh, Phoebe's number one pick uh, for flags used as costumes is for everyone in Yankee Doodle Dandy. What? Uh. Uh, oh, she writes, yes, Tom, it's a black-and-white grandpa movie, <laughs> now colorized, but it gives the origin story of all those songs we were forced to learn and sing in grade school music class. The grand old flag number is particularly patriotic, with dozens of people in inspiring flag costumes and a musical salute to the flag, also featuring dozens of actual flags. That's so weird. It's in black-and-white, and it's about that. What's the one yep. that Wally watches in Wally? Is that Yankee Doodle Dandy? Uh, yeah, it is. It is? Damn. How do people know this shit? All right, Phoebe, thank you very much. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. Uh, I, I want to writing. mention this as a runner up in Open Water 2, Adrift. Uh, they're, when the people get stranded out on the boat because they jump in the water and forget to lower the ladder and they have no way to get out of the water, uh, there's a flag oh, yeah. Yeah. dangling yeah. off of the I think the back of the, the boat, and they are going to use the flag to pull themselves up, but it rips and fails them. They're fucking idiots, too, because it's like they should just send the lightest chick up to do it. But instead, they like all pile on, and it's like their weight pulls it down. Yep. Well, if that happens to me, I'm ready. All right, Kelly Wand. <laughs> We're going to send you up first. Uh, other runners up from you gentlemen. Wait, the Wall- no, the Wally musical is. Um... My Fair Lady. It's uh, Dolly. It's uh, Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly. Isn't it Hello Dolly? That sound that does sound about right. I do remember looking it up and having no idea what it was anyway. What's that uh, it's about? Hello, Hello Barnaby. Is it's got to be Hello Dolly. Yeah. Sorry. Is there a flag in Hello Dolly? Dance? Wait, why does it have to be? Why did you say it like that? I just remember that. I I just remember that. I remember hearing them. Does Dolly just like come that. in like, oh, she's here? Is that like her thing in the movie? Like she says, entering rooms. <laughs> Can I give one of my least favorite moments for an American flag? Yes, please do, Dingus. Um, there's this, there's this horrible Paul Haggis movie uh, 
Dingus, that's, that's the use of the word. Dingus, the use of the word horrible in that case is redundant. Yes, uh, in the Valley of Ella, where at the beginning this, I think he's playing an investigator who has to go out and see why his son got killed. Um, he's a military investigator who's finding out why his son got killed in war. And on his way to figuring this out, he's driving by like a school or a library or some government building where some hapless janitor or somebody is putting up a flag and he's accidentally putting it up upside down. And he stops his truck and he gets out and he says, no, no, that's only in case of SOS. He teaches the guy how to put the flag up properly on his way to figuring out what's wrong with this country. And I just wanted to, again, take Paul Haggis aside and say, stop, stop it, and smack him upside the head. Wait, upside down's SOS. Hey, it's yeah, it's a distress signal. If the flag is upside down, it's a sign of distress. SOS is this looks the same if it's upside down. The actual letters. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Yeah, can't fuck it up. So you're going out of your way. Never mind. Uh, other great flags, a great flag, or, or terrible flag. I mean, a lot of times flags in movies are terrible. You know, we talked about the call, the the goofy bit in Olympus has fallen. Armageddon's all flags. flags. No, but that's great in Armageddon. No. No, but that's great. Oh, it's so American. Armageddon, Armageddon, first of all, Armageddon is very international. It's a cosmopolitan movie, but it just acknowledges that America is mostly responsible for saving the rest of the world. The rest of the world helps, and they care, and they matter, and it's terrible when they get trashed by asteroids. But luckily, America is there. What I wanted to think of was incidental uses of the flag like i'm using this as a decoration or never gonna happen dingus like for instance the end of the end of killing them softly that flag is there for a reason like you're never gonna see an accidental american flag that's my assertion by the way well like sometimes it's used as a decoration or a or costume piece like there's one there's never an accident yeah what's the accidental instance of a flag i can't remember what the movie is i just remember keanu reeves being in a scene where there's a flag on the ceiling the decoration. Nope. It's there for a reason. You there for a reason. Is having sex on a flag patriotic or desecration? Or does what it movie is that? Piranha 3D? I was just thinking about it. <laughs> Kelly Wand, save, <laughs> save instances from your own life for the Kelly Wand podcast. <sighs> All right. All right, Dingus, what is next week's 3 by 3 What What, what are you going to have us come up with? All right, these are your favorite. Uh, how do I parse this out? All right, he's so run this, out of steam before he can even tell us what it is. Yeah, no, 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 I, no I, I, I quite like this because of the particular moment that made me think of it. So these are your favorite moments involving smoke, but I have to say, not smoking because we've already done smoking, uh, and not fire. We've already done fire. This is particularly smoke. Just the use of smoke and how that works on film. We're really going to close out this topic. Forever this time, yeah. Incendiary. Smoke, mist, or fog. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use all of those, but, but mainly I'm talking about smoke. But uh, I don't want to see any fire, and I don't want you to use cigarettes or any other thing where you're, you know, putting the the wacky weed into your lungs or something. Wait a minute, smoke, mist, or fire? Or or, no, smoke, mist, or fog? Dingus. Well, I was going to give you mist or fog because smoke is difficult, but I just want smoke. I want moments where smoke is used in movies. Wait, wait, I don't understand. Are you taking away mist and fog, or are you allowing mist and fog? From smoke. All right, I'm taking away mist and fog. I'm going to take that away. 
What you know, about it off the table because they don't want clouds? Stephen King thing that he loves so much. Ooh. Clouds are are basically fog. They don't have circumference. They have fractals. <laughs> Right. Uh, Taking those other things off, you can you, you guys can use those for later your your favorite Cloud Atlas moments. So this is just moments involving involving smoke that don't involve smoking or cigarettes or anything like that, and they do not involve fire. So I don't want to see any fire in this. Wait, Kelly, uh, I'm confused because how are you going to have smoke without fire? Ah, that's a good point. See, it's like having a flag without a Captain America. <laughs> Uh, all right, I don't know what to make of this, but okay, Dingus, uh, if you have some ideas, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking, oh, yeah, that bit in that movie. Oh, it doesn't have fire in it. <laughs> send it in to us at, at 3 by 3 at quarter to 3. That's 3x3 at, and you spell out the words, quarter to 3.com. Uh, join us for that next week, and we will also be seeing the newest Diablo Cody movie. Oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, she wrote the script for Evil Dead, uh, directed by Dingus. Give us the director's name. Fieris de Amadis. <laughs> it's something uh, like Fade or Fade, Fade Alvarez. Uh, he is, I believe, Uruguayan. Uh, this is his first, uh, I think, feature-length movie. <laughs> and it's a script. Ew, I didn't mean it in a racist way, by the way. <laughs> Kelly, one, why do you hate people from Uruguay? How dare you? I meant ew in the French sense, like ew de France. Well, uh, it is a Diablo Cody script, and Kelly Wan, yeah. I know you're you. Uh, why now? Why Kelly Wan? Wait, you're the Jennifer's body apologist. I know, and you should as well. No, what? Jennifer's body is. What's your problem? You really aren't into Jennifer's body. Uh, I'd be into Jennifer's body. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> While I'm doing it. Well, I, I have to say, Kelly Wan, what bodes, I, I don't think, uh, I, I'm not particularly eager to see a movie by a first-time director who has only done YouTube shorts, but I do want to see what Diablo, Diablo Cody, Cody do with another, with another horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there. It's also got weird buzz, too. Like I don't. I don't know anything about that. I don't care anything about that. Unfortunately, I've seen the stupid trailer. I'm trying to. It made me want to see it, it though. For once, it actually like I was kind of hostile to this movie. And then the uh, speaking of hostile, did you see the Eli Roth? Get it? <laughs> uh, the the earthquake thing. <laughs> yeah, the earthquake thing. I, I don't know anything. I accidentally started watching the trailer, and once I got to the premise, I stopped watching it. So it's not an. It's just him producing. He didn't direct it. That that earthquake movie. Uh. It's like what he did with Teristas, was it his name? And uh, Last Exorcism Part 2. Oh, he's on that? See, I'm getting him and Catfish guys mixed up. Everything's becoming the same. I, Eli Roth, and I think Eli Roth even produced, uh, 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 what's that, uh, shoot, that Ty West thing about the House of the, De- House of the Devil? Yeah, I think he Eli did? Roth even produced that, didn't he? Ah, oh, fuck, we have to give him credit for that, then. That no, no, he just, he just arranged the, the money and he let it happen, yeah. I could be wrong about that one. Don't don't take that hard. But I know that he did produce uh, Last Exorcism Part Two, which you and I liked, Kelly Wand. Do you um, mean the Innkeepers, or do you mean Actual House of the Devil? I think Actual House of the Devil. The Actual Eli House Roth's... of the Devil. <laughs> <laughs> Eli Roth's name is on a whole lot of stuff. It's it's a little odd. Uh... The way stars are on flags and in the sky. <laughs> mm. uh, I was wrong about that. He did not produce House okay. of the Devil. So. Where? What did you? What was the wrong thing you were thinking that led to that <laughs> stupid waste of our time? Uh, that he produced Last Exorcism Part 1 and 2. Which reminded you of House of the Devil, because devils 
No, which reminded me of actual movies that didn't suck that had his name on them. What if you exercise someone and they don't have a devil in them? Does nothing happen? Or does it bring back... Do they get, like, too dosed with, like, holy powers? Kelly One, we will be exploring that on the Quarter to Three Catholicism podcast. Kind of. <laughs> wow, I better start boning up. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. So join us next week for uh, our favorite uses of smoke in movies, and we will be talking about Evil Dead. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by uh, Christian Malarkey. It's Christian Murawski. And Kelly Wand. I use smoke to write opsies. Hey, mommy. La, la. Hey, mommy. Ah. Hey, mommy. La, la. Hey, mommy. Hey, mommy. You sexy. Hey, mommy. You sexy. Hey, mommy. I didn't know what was saying. Hey, mommy. You beautiful. Hey, mommy. You sexy. Hey, mommy. You sexy. Hey, mommy. You sexy. Can I get that number? Hey, mommy, you See, repetition works hey, mommy, in music, so it should work in the movie. I was going to say, yeah. they have Easter yeah. here, but it's called Easter Monday, even though it falls on a Thursday. What do you think about that, man? Tell you. Harmony Corinne, the flag of directors. Y'all are my motherfucking soulmates. Y'all are my motherfucking soulmates. Y'all are my motherfucking soulmates. Ah. Remember?